The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You chose to take a journey down a long and dangerous trail Chose to serve your country and we know you served us well But now you're back and it's our duty to keep you safe and warm. Shake your hand and welcome you back home with open arms We're America, your family, the land of liberty We're thankful for your sacrifice, your fight to keep us free We are America and we truly do You're the backbone of our nation Thanks to you, we're living free We're a quilt of many colors And we breathe red, white, and blue We're America, your country And America wants you It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition. With Gary Ray, along with his co-host, Linda Crater, and other prestigious co-hosts. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray with his co-host, Linda Crater, and other prestigious co-hosts. Well, good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Network. Today is September 10th, 2013. I'm afraid if I wake up tomorrow, it's going to be Christmas. Good morning, Linda. How are you? Time is flying, isn't it? (laughs) Good morning. Well, I do hope you wake up tomorrow. I am very pleased because we are having a wonderful guest on a very specific day that is of great importance. Today is Suicide Prevention Day, as well as we're in Suicide Prevention Month. And we are making such a concerted effort this month on the American Heroes Network to talk about and to people who emphasize and exhibit the courage to seek help, to heal, and to help others do the same. So this is a, a very big day for yes, me personally. I'm, I'm very, very pleased to be on with you today. All right. All right. Before we get to our guests, we're going to take just a couple of minutes to provide uh, everyone with a Veteran Trek live update. Uh, uh, we, do we have uh, either Anthony or Tom online? Okay. No problem. What we're going to do is we're going to continue on with the show. Again, uh, we want to wish Anthony and Tom, they're probably in an area that uh, can't reach us right now, but that's no problem. Uh, We'll always have that update for you every Tuesday. And again, by giving them a little support, by donating right to your cell phone, just text the word DONATE to 80464. That will help them out uh, walking that 2,700 miles from Milwaukee to uh, L.A. Um, and for awareness for the PTSD and veteran suicides. Okay. Well, today we have a true American hero with us. 
Okay, if I was to mention all his credits, it would take the full hour. I do want to mention his personal awards from the time in Iraq includes the Purple Heart, the Combat Action Ribbon, the Navy Marine Corps Commendation Medal, and his recently started new business. He's an inspirational speaker, which is his true passion. Again, today's title of the show is PTSD and the Courage to Seek Help. Linda, you have the honor of introducing our distinguished guest. Thank you, Gary. I am very pleased to introduce our guest today, who is Justin Constantine, well known to many in this area of the D.C. area. Justin has been a mentor, an inspiration, and an example to so many since his very serious injury in 2006. You know, humility instead of hubris is very rare these days. And Justin lives his life by his actions and example. Please welcome an exceptional man of strong character and integrity, Justin Constantine. Welcome, Justin. Thanks, Gary, and thank you so much, Linda, for that kind introduction. I hope my mom's listening because I don't think she'd believe me if I said all that. So, <laughs> Well, we all can right. send her a copy. Don't worry. Yes. We can make sure mom hears it, but it's all true. Okay. And um, we are very, very pleased to have you here today. For those who don't know your story, perhaps we begin with Iraq. Okay, sure. Um, I served on active duty in the Marine Corps as an officer from 1997 to 2004, actually as a lawyer doing criminal defense and prosecution. And I left active duty in 2004. I joined the reserve unit in 2005 and then made a lateral transfer to a different unit in 2006. It was deploying because I wanted to deploy because I hadn't had the opportunity on active duty and felt you know, bad about that. Um, I actually deployed as a civil affairs team leader, not as a lawyer. And so I was attached to an infantry battalion, and I had the honor of leading a small team of eight Marines. Uh, and we were tasked with developing contracts with the local Iraqis to help rebuild the infrastructure that had been destroyed in their cities, stuff like, you know, electricity and running water, sewage systems, stuff like that. Um, it was very challenging because if you remember in 2006 and around Fallujah, which, where we were, Havania, it, it was the insurgency was uh, incredibly powerful and frankly would visit the Iraqis. They saw cooperating us with very real death threats at night. And so that was uh, made it virtually impossible for us to really make a lot of headway. But we were. But it was, uh, it was a violent time in Iraq for the Marine Corps. And we took a lot of injuries and, and of course, um, did the same. Uh, so I, I had, it was an honor for me to be there. I don't think too many lawyers get the opportunity to leave Marines in a combat environment. And I, I learned a lot about myself and leadership just from being there and observing the other officers and non-commissioned officers. So I was there uh, in the fall of 2006. We were on a routine combat patrol. We did a lot of that there, maybe four or five times per week. And we got to an area where we knew an enemy sniper was operating because he had already killed a few of our Marines, but that wasn't going to get in the way of anything, of course. And he shot me behind my left ear, and the bullet went out my face. Um, miraculously, I'm, I'm still here. I, I still don't understand how that happened. The bullet didn't hit my brain and didn't hit my spinal cord. Uh, and it's all thanks to a young Navy corpsman, George Grant, who was 24 years old then on his first appointment. Even though the Marines saw I had been killed, he came running over, and my face was in shreds. 
and he performed rescue breathing on me and cut out my throat and performed an emergency tracheotomy so I wouldn't drown in my own blood. Even though the sniper was still shooting, trying to shoot whoever he could, he almost shot our battalion commander, and he shot another Marine who had been behind me who survived. But, uh, you know, George Corman, I mean, the Corman George Grant performed such a perfect job that my plastic surgeon later, Bethesda, said he thought another surgeon had performed the operation. So that was... Mm. That was amazing what he did and what all the Marines did. Because then the uh, Lance Corporal drove me at 70 miles per hour to an aid station so I could get there in the golden hour. Even though in Iraq at that time, we never drove faster than 15 miles per hour because those IEDs, improvised explosive devices, were everywhere there. And we were hitting them every day. He, so he put his life on the line for me. So did the Corps George Grant, so did the battalion commander, Colonel Todd Grossier, and others that day. And it was only because of the amazing teamwork of so many folks in Iraq and then also the, the doctors and nurses at Lanshul and Bethesda that I'm still here. You're phenomenal. You say it Your so team. steadily, and, and I love how you have looked at it as a, as a team effort because, of course, it is. And the Marines are especially good at that close team, that tip of the spear and leave no man behind, and nothing stops you guys. And we're so glad you're here. And well, thank you. you. You've contributed. What I, what I want people to understand is you can hear it in just your description of your story itself, but you never let it get you. In terms of you're not going to make it. You have this resilience and this hope and strength. And you've also turned it to showing others how you can overcome adversity. It couldn't have been good every day. So how did you find yourself managing in the beginning when it probably seemed very overwhelming? Yeah, that's a good question. Um you know, like everything else in this space, it's complicated. I'll, I'll have to say I've been extremely fortunate in my recovery that I have people in my corner that I'm afraid not everyone has. Like my wife, Dahlia, has been phenomenal. We were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, and then she dropped out of our Ph.D. program uh, at Cambridge University in England to be with me in the hospital and put her life on hold for me. And, and you know, of course, later I proposed to her we were married five years ago, and it's been phenomenal, but just her dedication to me has been a, was a huge source of strength. And then uh, so many others have helped me as well, and so many other, or so many nonprofit organizations out there that are really filling the huge gaps that exist in, in our system. And I, in the hospital, I, maybe I didn't realize how badly I was injured, but I guess I just never thought I wasn't going to be okay. I, from the earliest days, Kelly and I have notes of talking about stuff we want to do when we got out of the hospital, like travel and go here and go there and do this and start a business. And that was from a month or two after I was shot. And I, I really never looked back. And I, I think it is, the Marine Corps training, uh, the fact that I was, I was had a lot of good people around me, and also I was a little bit older. I think a lot of our young uh, Marines and sailors and soldiers and airmen who are injured, who are in active duty, might think their careers and lives are over because they're injured, uh, and that's just not true. I was a reservist, so I knew there was a job waiting for me if I wanted it. I knew I had some financial stability. So a lot of these things that. I had the benefit of a lot of our folks don't, and that's what leads to a downward spiral. They maybe, maybe don't have a good job. They don't have a good home life. 
and then that's, and we're talking about PTSD and, and suicide. That's how those things get started, I believe. And so uh, there are a lot of resources, some really good resources out there for people to take advantage of, though, even if they don't have some of that built-in infrastructure that I have. You make an excellent point because um, obviously families and caregivers and all of that is is something that I really have a strong focus on. And for those who do not have um, a caregiver, a a wife, a girlfriend, a mom, um, what is your recommendation as to where to seek help on a daily basis? Sure, and I know how tough that can be uh, because in the military we're trained to be strong and, and mm-hmm. you know, tough and, and not to skyline ourselves, not to identify if we have any weaknesses. And frankly, I think as a nation as a whole, we are very uncomfortable about talking about mental health and, and any issues we may have there. So I think in the military it's just magnified. But I, I think it's a sign of strength to ask for that help. It's, it's easier keep your head down and not take care of yourself but instead of exposing yourself and saying I need help that's tougher to do but there's so many who do um, I've, I've asked I started getting counseling after Dolly and I identified I have PTSD and it's been an incredible change in my life doing so so I, I encourage others to do that because it's good for you and perhaps just as importantly, it's good for those around you who are who are loving you and trying to take care of you, but you keep lashing out at them or, or not treating them properly. And so there's nonprofits like, say, the USO, for instance. Everyone's heard of the USO. They have a number of services. I'm closely affiliated with a couple, like the Given Hour, which is givenhour.org, and they provide free mental health counseling around the country to service members and their families post 9-11 who, who are suffering, who, who think they might be suffering. So that's an amazing resource because really getting in to see someone uh, is half the battle. And then you have someone who's objective and who is trained in this. And it's not like you have to expose yourself to a family member or a friend who you don't feel comfortable with. This is a professional who's heard this before, they've researched it, and they can provide you, or at least in my case, I can only see for myself, but they describe to me why it was that my body and mind were behaving this way uh, because I thought, hey, I survived something amazing. Why am I having problems? I should be good to go. But I could be driving down the road and just start crying or thinking about Marines who I knew who were killed over there would have a really bad effect on me or why did I survive and, you know, my roommate at the hospital didn't. But if I can go and tell that to a, a provider, they can explain to me why that's normal and why if we didn't have those feelings, maybe something would be wrong with us. Well, you know, war changes people, combat changes people. And what you're describing is your strength in showing the vulnerability because you wanted a better quality of life for you and for you and Dahlia. Right. And I think so many are out there who, as you said, the culture is one of, you know, man up and don't, right. don't show weakness. But it isn't weakness. It is yeah. a biological, a psychological, um, and even a, a theological injury that does occur when these things happen. And so by your talking about this, and that's why I'm so pleased with your new business, because I've heard many of your speeches and your panel discussions. And by sharing that vulnerability and emphasizing reaching out as a courage step, you really are helping so many. And I think that's 
really important. What do you say to those who say, I don't want to talk? Hmm. Well, I guess I would question, are you, are you happy with where you are now? Do you feel like you're the same person as before you deployed? Are you being the best person you can be to those around you? And if the answer is no to those, then you probably should take your time to talk to someone. It's free. Uh, it's for people who care. And, and they're, you're certainly not going to be in any worse position than if you went and talked to somebody. You only have something to gain. I've, since I started talking openly about PTSD, and it's been several years now. Not once has someone made fun of me or called me weak. It, hasn't, it certainly doesn't affect your background. I had top secret clearance. I still do. Uh, it doesn't affect that. There, there's no negative ramifications. Only positive things can come of it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to go anymore. It's just you have to know that it's going to take some honesty on your, on, on your end. You have to get your feelings out there or be honest with what's bothering you. And you have to give it some time. There's no miracle cure. It's going to take you know, set, uh, a good number of sessions before you feel comfortable with someone you're talking to and, and feel comfortable opening up to them. It's, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. Do you also feel that talking to others, your peers, has a, has a strong role? Yeah, good question. The peer mentoring is a very important aspect of this. And the Wounded Warrior Project, for instance, has a strong peer mentoring program because so many soldiers and, and others, you know, frankly, are just more comfortable talking to their peers, talking mm-hmm. to someone who was over there. They understand what it's like to be on the ground, to have bullets going by your head, or just to hear bombs blowing up, or just to be scared while you're over there. Whatever it is, all of those can contribute to PTSD. And, and I think it's very powerful to have someone who's a peer to say, you, I know exactly how you feel because I was there two years ago. Here's some things I learned that helped me. Here's some things that helped me identify my triggers. And yeah, on 4th of July, I don't go outside because I don't like fireworks anymore. And maybe, maybe that person you're talking to feels the same way and now doesn't feel like, wow, I'm weird because uh, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. And, and I think that that's what, what many of us have found is that if you can connect people who understand, who get it, it really does assist in spreading the word. I'm a huge believer in building a bigger safety network for everybody. So as you do share with others and peers and those people go on to share with others, we are creating slowly but surely a network of people around the country who do understand that sharing, exposing, being vulnerable, reaching out for help and communicating with one another is a way to get better and raise your quality of life, you will not be the same person you ever were again, but you will be pretty close to it if you work at it closely. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I certainly would agree. And just because you're not the same doesn't mean it's worse. Like I'm, I'll never be the same person I was, but I think I'm a whole lot of a better person holistically than I was before I was injured. Like, I, if I hadn't been injured, maybe I never would have helped a single wounded warrior. But at any given time now, just on my own, I'm helping five to ten with all their issues because there's so many of us have so many of these issues with different, at different levels. I'm helping them. And I'm, like I said, I'm on the board of a couple of groups that are helping a lot. And maybe I never would have done that. And I would have missed out on how good I feel knowing I'm helping other veterans. And I've spoken uh, on behalf of the Semper Fi Fund and, and, and other groups that, that are out there helping people, and I wouldn't have been part of that because 
I, and I do feel I'm, I'm more compassionate now to folks who have other injuries and, and normalize. Like my wife is a, a third grade teacher and some of her kids have Down syndrome or maybe a speech impediment or just come from a rough uh, uh, neighborhood. And my heart goes out to them because I, I feel like I can connect with challenges that they're facing. Not the same, but still challenges. And, and I can help them with overcoming adversity. And so I think I'm... Um, a better person than I was. So just because you're different doesn't mean you're worse. I, I think that was brilliantly said. I, I think the one thing that you show and live every day is that you don't have boundaries that you can't surmount or at least try to surmount. What do you feel? Is it is it Dahlia? Is Dahlia. it the combination yep. of people? I was going to say, no. I, again, having a partner who is so strong and um, that you can lean on, Leaning and asking for help and, and gaining that help has to be a, a large advantage. It, it really is. You know, God has been here next to me every day, every, every minute of every day. And so that, that is a huge advantage. And I know, I know there are many other caregivers who, who are stepping up and doing incredible work for their mm-hmm. warrior uh, husbands or wives because Dolly has participated in several of those. I know a lot because I talk to them through when the Warrior Project events and I, I hear from their caregivers. And I think oftentimes the challenges Linda, for the caregivers are tougher than it is for us because they're on the – like in my mind, I know I'm going to be okay, or I know I got this. Guy may be watching and thinking, "Gosh, how's he going to react to this? What if someone says this? Is he okay?" They don't have the confidence that I have, and I think with some of the other caregivers who are taking care of our men and women who have severe PTSD or traumatic brain injury, and they have to be there, you know, every hour of every day, or something will go seriously wrong. There's so much to ask of somebody, and they step up and do it. But it is such, I think, oftentimes much more difficult than for the warrior to deal with his or her injuries. You know, I, I personally think that caregivers are, are such a quiet hero population. I, I agree with you 100%. And I think that they often don't know that they have the same resources that you do have. Um, there is a difference between being a parent caregiver and watching your child go through this and that relationship. There's the spousal caregivers. There are friends who are caregivers. Um, but they are learning also that if they share and, and talk to one another, that the best practices can be shared. And they seem to find a strength inside that they didn't know they had. I think a universal message I keep hearing from you today and from other caregivers and other vets is that I, I didn't know that I was as strong or as resilient as I am. And, and it, you could say it's making lemonade out of lemons, but I think it's more than that. I think there's an internal strength. And in one of your speeches, you said you're strong, you can become stronger, smarter, and braver along the way. And I think that sums it up very nicely. What did it teach you about leadership well, well, there is a lot of room for leadership in in this space. If you're if you're a caregiver, if you're a warrior, if you're someone who's running a nonprofit or whatever it, whatever your position is, there is room for leadership here. Uh, in, in my case, it's on a very personal level where I try to connect wounded warriors with the resources, and I try to educate businesses on veteran hiring issues and motivate people about how they can be more productive and, and 
you know, basically we're stronger than we think we are. I think those are all examples of leadership, at least at least for me. But like I said, if you if you call the say you call the Marine Corps call center because you're you're having a tough day, well, the person on the other end there is going to show some leadership and how well they take care of you and give you maybe ten resources that you can call. Maybe they'll connect you with the Bob Woodruff Foundation if you have PTSD or TBI, or they'll tell you, hey, oh, you want to start your own business? Call the Entrepreneurship Bootcamp for Disabled Veterans. Whatever it is, there is room for people to be leaders. And that, that, what that takes is some caring and some educating yourself and, and educating yourself and make sure that you listen to what people are asking you for. That's an excellent point. You and I have worked together on a couple of employment issues with some fellow Marines. And I think it was pretty obvious to us that in the cases we were not as successful as we would have liked to be, it was because there was a lack of initiative, a lack of drive. Is there any um, advice you would be able to give to say that you can't sit back and, and wait for people to do it for you? What can you give as advice, if there is any, that says dig deep, reach out, you can do this, and there are resources there, if only you will? Yeah, it's a good point. It's, it's a sticky subject because I know, know. It, it, gets, it gets very personal, and so it makes it hard. But one thing I, I do get concerned about is when I see warriors who have their VA check and maybe their military retirement and they've kind of hung out their boots and they're like, okay, I'm good. I get this government check now for the rest of my life and what more do I need to do? And I'm not, I'm not judging people. I don't want to no. judge because I don't want to get judged either. Same. Uh, you know, that's not my job. But I just think if, if you, if you were good enough to deploy to Iraq or Afghanistan or, or wherever you went and do a good job there, you probably have some amazing characteristics that not only will you can get a good job or career, but a lot of people will benefit from knowing you and being around you, and you can impart some good life lessons on them. And so there are so many organizations out there doing so much for us. I, I hate to see or to think that someone is taking advantage of that and, and asking for more than they need. And so I, I would like to see people when they're recovering is thinking about how can I have a, what career can I have now if it has to change? And what, what are the steps I'm going to take to do that? Am I going to talk to this mentor from, say, West Point or the Naval Academy who's here from the Vietnam War who knows all this stuff in the hospital and he can help me? Yeah, maybe I should talk to him or her. Or should I, should I call one of these groups that helps you start your own business? Maybe that's it. Should I go participate in Operation Warfighter, which is for getting internships at federal agencies that really sets you up for success? Any of these things, because really, I think what we all should be striving to do is get back to being productive members of society and taking care of ourselves and our families. And if you're sitting at home, you're not going to be doing that. You make people believe in themselves. And I hope that our audience listening realizes that sometimes it just takes someone who says, I believe in you, to to turn the switch on things. I also have a strong belief, um, let me know if you agree on this, that if you help other people, you are in turn helping yourself. 
Uh, absolutely. There's no better feeling than helping someone. Uh, even if it's just yesterday I talked to you, I was at a golf tournament uh, for Wonder Warriors, and I, and I told the Wonder Warrior about a, a great resource called Vacations for Veterans, which is free vacation houses for Purple Heart recipients. And mm-hmm. just letting him know that that resource, is, that's going to change a week for, for him and his wife. And you're right, just telling people that you're appreciated and helping them, it makes you feel really good because you're doing something positive in someone else, someone else's life. It's true, and I think it all blends together to truly give um, the strength. I also think it helps people to return back to a more normal atmosphere where they start to believe that they will be a good value to the community. We already know they are, but you have to believe it yourself, too. And so it's important that family members also take advantage of all of the resources that are out there. What are some of the resources that you would recommend for family members of injured warriors or vets uh, who, who really may need some assistance or some help or some just a boost? If we could save that for right after break. Uh, oh, sorry, you, Gary. No problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm here. <laughs> I just we are going to take a short break, a very short break. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host Linda Crater and our guest Justin Constantine. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Are you ready for another meeting? Do you leave wondering if you've made any progress? Or was it just another organizational reorganization? Are you looking for a way to change that and make progress? Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel every week for educational leadership. What else is possible? With hosts Mary Maduna and Margaret Ruff. If you're ready to energize your leadership and create new possibilities, join us for a chance to look through a different lens and gain a new perspective every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned into American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. You're listening to the American Heroes Network, and we're here with Justin Constantine. Linda, you were going to ask, a, uh, I guess, a separate question. Well, on, on break, Before we were break. talking about, yes. I guess, if, if you could quickly just um, 
provide a few resources for family members who are seeking help. And then I'd, I'd really love to know what are the biggest lessons you've learned from this experience? So I'm sorry, that's a two-parter. Sure. Um, uh, real quick, just some of the groups that I have, uh, in, again, there's thousands of groups out there, which is a, a good thing, but sometimes a bad thing, I guess, because mm-hmm. it can be confusing about who's who. But some of the groups I've worked personally with and feel comfortable recommending who can help uh, families uh, of the warriors are, you know, for instance, Bluestar Families is a great resource, and so is mm-hmm. Uh, given hour, as I said, Semper Fi Fund, which sounds like it's just for Marines, but it's not just for Marines. But they have they provide a, a whole spectrum uh, of resources, as does the Wounded Warrior Project. So those and uh, those are some good places to start uh, right off the bat. And the USO also has a number. So those are four or five. If people want to research, they can start there. Great. And now on to the lessons learned. Sure. Uh, we talk about some lessons I've learned over, I guess, since I was injured. So it's coming up on seven years. Uh, next month will be seven years. And and there's really three big ones that were, I guess I already knew these, but really been reinforced since I was injured. And, and I'll list them out. The first is teamwork is critical to success for, for you and others around you. The second is that it's okay to ask for help and to lean on others for support. And three is that you're stronger than you think you are. Mm. Uh, I'm happy to elaborate on those. But, uh, Please do. Okay, well, um, I guess as far as teamwork goes, we all know this, whether you're playing on a sports team or uh, patrolling with a squad of Marines or working all night to get a, a group project done at, at school or at work, you, know, you, ha- you can't do it all by yourself. And obviously, it's a big deal in the military. Everything is teamwork is everything, and I, I saw that on a very small level with my Marines, and and I saw it on a bigger level when I was with a battalion commander, and we would go visit his Marines and make sure they're okay, and and there were firefights, and and there were other activities where it's all about teamwork. But that relates to uh, your family, or with your doctors and nurses, and or. When you're, when you're trying to transition into the workforce, it's about mm-hmm. teamwork. Because if you're not trying to network for these things, and if you aren't trying to create, um, I guess, create your own network of resources, then you're missing out because there's so many people who want to help us that all you have to do is let them know you're looking for that help. And there's, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, which dovetails into my other point where it's okay to ask for help and to lean on others for support. And I wouldn't say that if I hadn't, done that uh, dozens of times, at least dozens of times. Early on in the recovery, of course, um, I didn't think I needed any help, but but I sure did. Uh, I was on uh, probably life support. I was hooked up to all sorts of things. Um, didn't want support, but was getting it every day from Gaia, the doctors, etc. But that's continued on for seven years. I, I received help from some of these nonprofits I've already mentioned, I receive help from from any number of people. Say uh, someone I walk by in the airport, and they they can tell I'm a veteran. I have, maybe have a shirt on. They say, "Thank you for your service." Well, that was a stranger who just made my day, um, <laughs> and you know, and just let, reminded me that America cares. And so I might not be leaning on that person, but they're helping me, and it's okay to ask for help. And, and as I said, with the PTSD or or financial matters, a lot of a lot of uh, Marines. Asking because they're wounded and they have significant financial issues, how can I get out of this? And 
Well, groups like USA Cares or Operation Home Front, again, Semper 500, and other of these groups, that's what they're there to do. They raise money. Generous Americans donate money to help us. And so they're only going to know that you need help if you reach out to them. And that's for the warriors and their family members. So that's what I mean about, you know, it's okay to ask for help and lean on others for support. And then on the flip side, when you're better, you start helping others and, and telling them what you've learned. So I think that's an important piece too. And then, I, I'll just keep going, I guess. Finally, yeah, stronger than you think. <laughs> yeah, you're stronger <laughs> than you think you are. And, and I said before that, uh, and other audiences, that when I went to Oscar Cannon School in the Marine Corps, I thought I was in really good shape, but I lost almost 20 pounds there in 10 weeks and went back to, to law school, a different person. And if someone had described the workout regimens we were doing before I went, I would have said, there's no way I can do that. But you you are stronger in your push and your teammates push you. And and that's that's just a metaphor for, for everything else. You know, we we have to dig deep when we are facing adversity. I I know that what the Wounded Warriors have gone through is on the extreme end of the spectrum, but it could be you had a bad day at work or you have serious um problems in your marriage or you you know, a family member is sick. Whatever your adversity is, whatever your challenge is you're stronger than you think you are, and if you, if you dig deep, you're going to find uh, that, that you can overcome just about everything. I think we, that any wounded warrior is a living example of that, and that applies across all society. Yeah. You know, getting back to the PTSD, I have just a quick question for you. Sure. Uh, you think it's more widespread than it is compared to the past conflicts we've had? Uh, <laughs> that's a tough question, but a good one, because I think, PTSD has been around for thousands of years. It's been called different things, if, right. it's, if it's addressed at all. I think uh, it probably existed just as much in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam, because those are a horrific, close-up, very personal way of fighting, which you know leaves a lasting impression on your brain. The problem is that our country wasn't in a place yet to accept that and provide, right. a, provide a vehicle. Our veteran, Vietnam veterans who are true heroes, who have, who have really paved the way for today's generation of warfighters, they, the way they are treated is a stain on our nation's honor. You know, we all know that, and we've learned, and, and they won't let that happen again, thank God. So I, I think they probably have PTSD just as much, but it was, there was never a forum for them to to talk about. And I've heard plenty of stories about guys who it's been 20 years, they've never said a word, and now they feel comfortable talking about it. And that just, it's, it's, an, it's a good thing, but it breaks your heart at the same time. Yes. When you see well, somebody well, that had it for 40 years, yeah, uh, it does break your heart. I can't imagine going through that and not feeling comfortable talking about it because someone wouldn't want to hear that after we've asked them to stand up and go fight our wars for us. Mm-hmm. Well you know, said. It's, it's like Agent Orange, uh, yep. you know, it's not right. recognized. It wasn't recognized, and now they're starting to recognize it. So uh, hopefully it's not another 40 years. <laughs> no, no, you're right, but I think uh, I know the DOD and the VA are going to great lengths to encourage folks to get PTSD counseling. Mm-hmm. Of, course, of course, there's always more they could do. There's, there, they, we, as a nation, we need more mental health providers, so mm-hmm. it, it, so that's a challenge in and of itself. But the VA has to be better at, at 
especially reaching those uh, our, our veterans in rural parts of the country, whether it's telehealth or paying folks more or paying whatever it is. And there's a lot of great solutions that are put out there, but it's really implementing them, which is a problem. So I know the VA is doing a lot of good work, but there's room for progress. And even within DOD, same is true. You know, Justin, since it's Suicide Prevention Day and oftentimes underlying factors such as PTSD or TBI or anxiety or depression, um, substance abuse, addictions, etc., all can underlie and, and make a person higher at risk. Do you have any advice for those who you can't, you, you can't get in front of them and talk to them about how adversity builds strong character and that there is hope and you can tap into that. Do you have any thoughts for those who are saying, I don't want to seek help? I, I really, how do you get them out of their hole? What is your suggestion? Well, I, I didn't struggle with suicide, but I know the Corman told me I wasn't breathing when he rolled me over. So I, I am so glad I'm still here. And I think, I think uh, either Linda, you and I talked about this previously, or uh, mm-hmm. that, that if someone tries to, when it, when someone commits suicide, they've already tried maybe twenty five times before that. I think is right. Is, that, yeah. That's the average, right? Yeah, and so that, that's twenty five times where someone has faced such agony where they thought it wasn't worth living. But life is is a is such a privilege. Life is sweet and beautiful, and and especially in this country, there's so many people around the world who are so worse off than our worst off person here. That that you know, I just think people should struggle to to get better. They should put all their effort into getting better and recognizing that there are people around them who love and care for them. You know, we don't. We probably don't tell each other. We know each other enough. We don't do all these touchy feely things. I, I, you know, I don't like doing all the time myself. But I just think we, if someone's feeling suicidal, I just think there is there there is help there. There is relief there. In this country, there are groups who are committed to helping you get better. That was beautifully said. Beautifully said. Life is sweet and. Um I, I think that's a great way to end that message, Gary. Well, are we going to go on break now? You're the boss. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess we can do that. Uh, I just, first of all, I want to let everybody know within the last 30 days, we reached listenerships in over 15 countries. Actually, today we have uh, listeners from Ethiopia, Japan, and Vietnam listening to the broadcast. It's pretty cool, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's very cool. I didn't yeah. know that. That's yeah. great. That's that's pretty wild. But we'll go ahead and take a short break. I'm Gary Ray along with my co-host Linda Crater and our guest Justin Constantine. You're listening to the American Heroes, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel. But when we do come back, we're going to have Staff Sergeant uh, Charles Eggleston with us. And uh, we'll be right back with him. you've seen everything there is to see in online television let us surprise you visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports health business and more on demand 24 7 do the adventures of indiana jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession if so don't miss indiana jones myth reality and 21st century archaeology with dr joseph schuldenrein 
You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. How do you know if you're living with an addict? If you think you know all the recognizable signs, you probably don't. If you're listening to and reading from the so-called experts, you probably don't. You need to hear from a parent, just like yourself, who has been there and can tell you what it's like firsthand. Please listen to Afflicted by Addiction with Bradley DeHaven. Our program is heard every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It just might save your life or the life of someone you love. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to AmericanHeroesNetwork at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. Again, we have, uh, we have Justin Constantine, we have uh, Charles Eggleston, and we have Andy. Is it McCann? Correct. All right. I got it right. <laughs> that was a guess, too. <laughs> but uh, why don't you quickly tell us about the SMGA event that's coming up, or is it already happening this week, isn't it? Sure, yes. Actually, the first of the 14 events is on Friday this week in Dayton, Ohio. And the one after that is on Monday in, uh, at the TPC in Michigan. And we'll have another one in September in Colorado at uh, Perry Park Country Club. Then in the month of October... We have a whole series of them, beginning with San Diego, and then in Bethesda, Fayetteville, Fort Knox, Huntsville, Los Angeles, Norfolk, and Honolulu. Then we have one in Charleston in November. (laughs) Okay. And two in January. So we're we're very one in San Antonio and one in Tampa. So we're very excited about this. It's an expansion from seven sites last year to 14 sites this year in uh, in these markets where there is a large concentration of uh, wounded soldiers that are all right Justin are you going to be playing in uh, you're going to be playing in Virginia correct yeah I think so and, and the SNJ the salute to military golf association is a fantastic organization that was started by Jim Estes up near Walter Reed because he knows to always win the Warriors 
do so much better if I get out of the hospital. And uh, even though I wasn't in Walter Reed, I was I lived locally, so I started going to his golf clinic. It's grown and grown. It's helped hundreds and hundreds of uh, warriors get better through golf, but therapy through golf. But it's true. You get out there, you're out of the hospital, you're out of your home, and you're out in you know whatever golf course you're on is beautiful. And so it's therapeutic being out there in nature and, and chasing that little white ball around, which can be frustrating, <laughs> but, <laughs> of course. But it's, it's such a great program, and, and it's helped me a lot, and I know it helped Charles, and it's helped so many. That I'm, I'm thrilled. I play in a number of SMGA tournaments throughout the year, and I'm really excited to see Booz Allen take this on and help support us. All right. Charles, are you going to be in Virginia with him? I'll be down in Virginia, and I'll probably shoot out to the West Coast as well. But as as Justin said, it's a great venture, and uh, I'm glad guys like Andrew McCain came on board and helped SMGA um, by by way of Louis Donald Hamilton. I mean, it's just a great group of guys. Just imagine a wounded warrior out in Hawaii playing a tournament. That was me last year, and I'm fighting not to go back out there this year because it's such a long flight. It was just so pristine the whole time I was there. So golf takes your mind away from the suicide. It takes your mind away from the woes of war. It takes your mind away from so many things. So I'm glad I give SMGA a hand every day, you know, and a prayer. So those guys are just great. Right, right. Did you win last year? Uh, my team came in second place. All right, all right. That's pretty good. Andy. Yes, sir. Are you still there? Okay, good. Yes, I am. Um, what else is there as far as the the uh, tournaments? Uh, any exciting news? I mean, well, you said yeah, it started. Actually, one yesterday. of the most exciting things that we've been working on this year is we've developed this program. We call it an American golfer. And this is enabling us to take our program out across the country to these guys that have gone back to their hometowns and they're no longer uh, in the national capital region, for example, or, or, or maybe they're isolated from a major metropolitan area, but they're, they're still out on their own, they're still recovering, and golf can still serve them. So we set up uh, lessons from, a, we find a PGA pro for them in a local golf course uh, that can continue their uh, rehabilitation through golf and find them playing opportunities in their local community, arrange for them to participate in tournaments that are close to them or e- even not so close. So we fly guys around the country, around the world even, to... Um, I took a group down to the Masters this year. Uh, last year, a bunch of us went out to the Phoenix Open. And so these um, organizations that help us raise funds, that's what these funds go towards, to develop our program and to uh, – but, but this American golfer expansion that we've done is really one of the most exciting things because – these guys that are isolated, it, it's even more important to uh, make sure that we provide them with uh, some opportunities as well, not just the people are, that are, you know, in major areas where there may be more opportunities available to them. Seems like a big, it's all a big team effort. That's what big it time. all adds up to be. Exactly. Exactly. 
I think it's very interesting that you mentioned the therapy because it is therapeutic to be among those who you respect, who've been through what you've been through, to learn something new. It's competitive and um, takes concentration. So it's, it's a wonderful program, and you all really enunciated that very, very well. And, and Justin, uh, what's your golf as far as what? You're in the 50s or 60s? <laughs> <laughs> on, on the front nine, yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Justin, Justin has about the probably for a golf. little cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I no, think the, I'm, uh, I'm in the 50s on the miniature golf. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, with the, uh, with the SNGA program, like they will – they will if you go to the clinic because so many guys there like us have different body postures than we used to or different swing patterns. They'll they'll fit you. Have a professional come out and fit you for a set of clubs for you that takes into account your handicap. Like with me, I actually wear an eye patch over my left eye because I'm blind in my left eye, and it makes when I look down at the golf ball. When I start to swing, it makes it look really fuzzy. So I have an eye patch. Other guys are missing arms or legs or, or whatever their injury is. Um, and, of course, PTSD falls in this category, too, that they that they will figure out a way to make it so much easier for them. And that and golf is fun when you're playing well, of course. And so I, I think that's a real personal touch. It's a real extra mile they go because that's not cheap. You know, and they, they have to raise funds for that. But that shows their dedication to each warrior on an individual basis. And that really hit home with me. And that this is one of those programs that can be scaled to as they're doing now across the country. And it's helping it's helping the individual warrior, but they also it's helping their family because now the whole family can get out there and do a fun activity together. All right. Well, Great I'll tell point. You, yes, I tell you what, we have just a little over two minutes, but I want everybody, uh, you know, I want to thank everybody. First of all, Justin, I want to thank you for being on our show today. And I, I, I really would like to have you back. Okay. Uh, Sounds good. We, we didn't even accomplish half yet. Okay. <laughs> Justin, is there anything you'd like to share to our uh, in our listeners with our listeners in closing? Sure. I'll, I'll just say that uh, as someone who's been on this end of it, there there are a lot of resources out there for you if you're a wounded warrior or a family member. There are a lot of resources. You can look at the, some of the groups I already mentioned. And if you're if you're not, if you're just a supporter, you can go to the, the White House's website. Um, for the Joint Forces Initiative, is a good place. If you're, yeah, Joint Forces. If you're trying to, if you're trying to contribute to the solution here, that's a good place to go, and they have a good search engine there for wounded war activities. But please get involved. Please, please help us. We need your help, and so do our families. Whether it's PTSD and suicide, or just, just. Whatever it is, please help us uh, because these injuries don't go away quickly. They, for a lot of us, they last the rest of our lives. So that's Ju- it. Justin, what's your website? Oh, well, thank you. My website is justinconstantine.com, and I'm an inspirational seeker, and I seek to corporations, nonprofits, colleges, other schools. So I'd be happy to follow up with anyone who's listening who wants to talk to me more about that. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Well, Charles, uh, we'd like to thank you for being on the show also. And uh, what would you like to say in closing? Hey, Justin said it right. He did everything correct about a book. Uh, he he took the word out of my mouth. Hey, Justin, right. bravo to you. Great show. And uh, hey, I look forward to hearing and being a part of it. Right. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Nandy? 
Well, thanks, sir. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk a little bit about our, about our program. Uh, my involvement with these guys has really expanded my horizons. I'm not a vet, and when people ask me, did I serve, and I said, well, no, I didn't serve, but that's why I'm serving now. And my involvement with these guys has really expanded my uh, perspective, and uh, every time I associate myself with them, I'm really proud. All right. All right. Again, Linda, do you have any closing remarks? No, I'm just very touched to listen to these leaders who make such a difference every day in the lives of our wounded warriors, our veterans, their families, and even the children who also serve. So thank you very much, gentlemen. Yes, definitely. Uh, be, be sure to tune in next week for another live update on the Veterans Trek. For the, that's the 2,700-mile walk for PTS and veterans suicide awareness. For sponsorship information, Email us at sponsorinfo at AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host, Linda Crater. Signing off, and thanks for listening to the American Heroes Network, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And remember that if you miss the live show, all our shows are archived on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Have a terrific week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray and his co-host Linda Crater and other prestigious co-hosts again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America and we truly do believe you're the backbone of our nation thanks to you again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america variety channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericavariety.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network it's staff and management.